I was at a networking event yesterday where I gave two women compliments. And the immediate thing they do is dismiss the compliment. Yes. And I've stopped them and actually said, wait, hang on a second. I said, you look elegant. And you said, I don't feel elegant. And I said, please just accept the compliment. Because when you yeah. accept the compliment, you're actually allowing me to compliment you. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more. And by that, I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future, but rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. Today, Joe's interviewing Gina Ballerim. Joe was introduced to Gina by our guest on podcast number 82, Ade. They did the interview and then Gina went off to Tanzania on a safari. Very exciting. Gina Ballerin is a passionate author, professional speaker, marketing consultant, ex-marketing director and owner of Verbalistics, a boutique firm of corporate storytellers. She wrote The Secret Army, Leadership, Marketing and The Power of People to encourage people to either love their work or change it. She had spoken at TEDx on TV and in audiences around Europe as a keynote speaker. She has a BA in drama and linguistics, a master's degree in management communication and is a chartered marketer. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Gina Ballerin of Verbalistics and uh, really pleased to have you here today, Gina. We met through uh, one of our other podcast guests, didn't we, Um, who I I don't think I've actually published his uh, his interview yet but uh, it will have been a few weeks ago <laughs> so welcome fantastic. he was a great connection and it's delightful to be in contact with you lovely excellent so start by telling us a bit about what you do um, and where you do it so verbalistics has a strange name because it's a combination of verbal and ballistic making your <laughs> words go mental And that's exactly what I do is I'm a little bit of a combination of a wordsmith, a storyteller, and a little bit mental. Uh, What I actually do is help people who have really good relationships with their customers to find those stories and use those stories. It's strange that more people aren't really excited about actually telling their customers stories to other people so that they can win new customers. But it seems as if there is almost a mental block of, I don't know, maybe they don't quite believe their customers when they're happy, or maybe they're just too afraid to ask for permission to actually use their stories. And so that's what I do through the medium of communication, whether I'm on stage telling people about the power of of your secret army, or whether I'm uh, writing frantically in the background, or whether I'm helping people develop a communication strategy for their company. That's what Furbalistics does, my boutique firm of marketing storytellers. Oh, lovely, lovely. I do like the whole storytelling thing. It's quite a, quite a topical uh, 
a topical topic. That's not what I want to say. Is yeah, it? I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, but the, you know, there's courses on learning how to tell stories for corporate nowadays, isn't there? It's it's quite a uh, a, a modern concept, shall we say? Well, the irony is that people have been telling stories since people could first talk. It's a human need to actually communicate. And every single person has the ability to tell a story. If you think about it, the old standing around the water cooler moment or you know, making a cup of tea, what are you going to do? You're going to tell someone a story about what you did over the weekend or what's happening with your kids or the horrible thing that you saw happening on the tube on the way into work that morning. There are a lot of people who will use stories to connect. We do it almost without thinking. But that thing I love about storytelling becoming more of a corporate thing these days is that marketing used to be about bamboozling people. And now it's actually about connecting with people emotionally. And mm. corporates are starting to realize that the emotional connections you're able to make with your customers and your prospects is by engaging them in a way that helps them follow the narrative. And that's the great thing about stories. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And of course, you can mix things up by starting with the end, and then that really gets them engaged in the story to want to kind of figure out how it happened. But at the end of the day, corporate storytelling is really just about saying that we are more human. And the reason we want to connect with effectively a brand is because we want those human connections with people in some way. And I think it's absolutely wonderful that, that corporates are finally realizing this. Yes. Yeah. So one of the questions that reading was about where you do what you do. Do you work from an office? Do you work from home? Do you work out and about? I mostly work from my office where I get to stare at a bunch of trees outside the window. And uh, I also visit um, clients at their locations when we do, one of the marketing things that I do is, is actually marketing counseling. It's a term that works really well with women, men don't quite understand it, so we talk about it more as, as marketing strategy and marketing evolution. Because effectively what we do is we sit down and go, who's your target audience, what do you want to sell to them, how do you want them to get it, where do they hang out, and all of those fundamental marketing questions. But we do that in order to go, well, what's stopping you from doing what you know you need to do? Now, I've been in marketing for a good long time, mostly in marketing communications, but what non-marketing experts think is that they either know everything or they know nothing, and usually the combination is somewhere in the middle. And in the counseling process or the strategy prediction process, what we're able to do is basically look at what do you know, which is probably more than you think, and then what's stopping you from using that so that you can actually make more impactful marketing. Mm, and that mm. happens wherever people are. If, if they're in an office, it's great to actually sit down and, and scribble on their whiteboard or meet in a coffee shop somewhere for smaller businesses and really get a sense of that coziness of approach where we can step outside of the daily norm and take a couple of hours just to reflect. And it's an incredibly powerful exercise, actually. Yes, yeah, I do like your uh, your branding for it. I guess you're in marketing, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> so tell us a bit more about why you do what you do. How did you get to here and why is it this as opposed to whatever you've done in the past? I started my own business because I realized that the places where I could see and make a difference were in having the ability to change people's hearts and minds. And that's partly why I'm so attracted to the market storytelling or future strategy. I can see what people need, where they need to go, and ask those really uncomfortable, awkward questions to help them soul search and go, 
yeah, you know, I really need to do more of that. And in fact, sometimes they answer the questions themselves. It's just a question of stepping away and having that time and that flexibility to be able to, to, to do that. The reason I chose this route is I actually ended up working in a lot of organizations where I got tired of not being able to make a difference because of the nature of corporate structures. Uh, no matter how great and intuitive and insightful and innovative and excited your employees are, if there is no way to feed that back into the rest of the organization, it ends up being these tiny little silos of inspiration. And that's not good enough. What I'm able to do in working with people in small and medium-sized businesses and in telling corporate stories for large enterprises is just drop a little elements of that positivity, of that inspiration into their day-to-day -day marketing. And I get to do it across a whole remit of different organizations. And it means that I get to remain excited about the stuff I'm doing and, and not worry about the corporate politics that goes behind the scenes. And actually, interestingly, sometimes be part of an organization where I seed that idea and then come back in 6, 12, 18 months later where they finally decided they want to move ahead with this idea and they bring me back in to be able to actually turn that idea into reality. And that has just been such an amazing eye-opener for me. Yes, mm -hmm. I can make a difference, but also I don't need to be there every single day pushing, pushing, pushing that rock up a hill like Sisyphus. Mm -hmm. So you talk about going into sea uh, clients and, and obviously working in your lovely office with your lovely trees. <laughs> Um, how do you prioritize what you're doing in your work and in your life? You know, quite often we can, uh, when we start our own business, we do it thinking we want flexibility and, you know, all the sort of positive uh, stuff that comes with that. And then we often find ourselves doing the opposite, don't we? Working longer hours and traveling more and <laughs> doing all the things that we thought we were going to, to stop by, by doing our own thing. So how do you make that work for you? Isn't that the biggest myth, that we start our businesses to have more control of our lives and end up being completely <laughs> controlled by our businesses? I know, it's, it's a crazy thing. I have a wonderful analogy that I'll give credit to a friend of mine who's actually a German um, psychotherapist and general practitioner who practiced in the UK for a long time. And she talks about the energy levels that people have inside them as if it were a bucket. And she says to her clients when they come to her with really low energy levels, depression, you know, those kinds of things. Can you draw on a piece of paper for me the things that give you energy, the things that fill up your buckets? And so I did this as an exercise once and was delighted to discover that one of the things that makes me come alive is speaking to people, sharing information, talking in public, talking on podcasts like with you, and realized that in the times when I am feeling most vulnerable, those are ironically the times when I decide to step away from being able to um, take control of my life. And it's so crazy. And I've got to go back to that list of things that gives me energy that fills up my bucket and go, ah, okay, yes, I need to go walking today. Or yes, I need to have a, a good, sweet, hot cup of tea. Or yes, I need to actually pick up the phone and speak to a friend. Because mm -hmm. those are the things that give me energy. And a, a lot of people are really great at carving out time, at disciplining themselves, at going running you know, every day. But when client work comes along, you know, you've got to give them precedence, and that's the risk. And the risk is that if you spend too much time working, you don't actually spend enough time giving yourself the opportunity to do whatever it is that helps you retrieve that energy. Mm -hmm. So I now make it a point to start noticing when I'm losing that energy 
and carve out time specifically to do the things that make me happy. Yeah, it's interesting. Before we started recording, um, I was saying that I'd been training for five days and um, you know running a couple of sessions a day, and you were saying, oh, you know, how do you keep the energy levels up? And I hadn't really sort of thought about it until you asked the question. But I was saying because I stayed away in a hotel on my own actually I do it by not speaking to anybody for the rest of the day and just sort of becoming a hermit in the hotel room um, to get ready for you know the next day sort of thing but um, it's important isn't it to know yourself enough to know the things that you need you've just reminded me that I, I love singing and I don't I haven't done very much of it whilst I've been away I did take all my music with me <laughs> I did I got it out once but I was so busy I didn't actually spend much time doing it and uh, you know you've uh, you've inspired me I'm going to do a bit of singing this afternoon <laughs> oh, I think that's absolutely fantastic maybe scribble on a piece of paper the fact that you've got music that that inspires you and that you've got alone time that inspires you and you'll probably find there are a lot of other things in your life that inspire you that you hadn't thought about and mm. time is the biggest challenge right when we've when we've got so little time on our hands the one thing that we want to do least of is step away from what we're doing to be able to make time for the stuff that, that keeps us sane. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I've got a Fitbit with a reminder on it that buzzes me 10 minutes before the end of the hour and it says, get up and do some walking. <laughs> and when I, when I actually notice that it's buzzing because you just kind of lose it after a while, I will get up and go and have a wander around, make myself a cup of tea. But it's hard. It's hard to tear yourself away. Oh, excuse me. Hard to tear yourself away from the thing that you know is going to drive your business in the short or mm. medium or the long term. Yes. And yeah, it's precisely yeah. at those moments of I don't have enough time when sometimes I will just set myself an alarm and actually yes. remind myself to eat. It's crazy how actually, I don't know if, if, if it happens to you when you're training, I'll be out and about and I'll be like, when was the last time I actually ate anything? Oh, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I punctuate my day by my eating, so I'm probably never going to get that far. (laughs) Okay, okay. I also find that when traveling, it's really helpful to identify what facilities a hotel has. Um, I love swimming. And fortunately enough, some of the places I get to go when I'm traveling have swimming pools. I don't Mm. have one that I use regularly near me, but I'll always make sure I pack a swimming costume just in case. Yes, oh, that's very organised. Yes, yeah, so I have a problem with the swimming thing on the basis that you uh, have to get wet. <laughs> so I don't pack a swimming costume, even if there is a swimming pool. <laughs> so you mentioned your Fitbit as a as a tool that you use to enable you to you know take that time. What what other tools or apps or or things do you use to uh, help you to manage your time to help you to to do the things that you want to do? Well, I've actually found that at one point in time, I was coming down every morning, and I'm not a morning person, as we know, neither of us are particularly <laughs> no, morning people, <laughs> and getting on my bicycle and putting on um, TED Talks. Now, it's not necessarily an app, but I do find that you can actually, I think you can download TED Talks as an app, but just yeah. the discipline of sitting there, putting the something inspirational on, which has a certain time limit, again, setting a timer on my phone and um, just cycling away while my brain is engaged and it means that my body's engaged and my brain's engaged at the same time and actually I think that's when I've been most productive but to go back to the Fitbit the irony about the Fitbit is it's one of the most useful apps for getting people off their butts because Mm. there's something motivational about 
knowing that it, you can reach that goal, all you have to do is get out of the house and walk for 20 to 30 minutes or however long you have yeah. around the block if, it, if that's what it takes. And I found I had to do that because I was sitting and doing literally nothing, not leaving the house, barely leaving my uh, office except to go get to get a cup of tea or go to the bathroom. And that yes. wasn't okay. So the, tr the Fitbit has transformed my approach. I know there are also um, many tools available to do things like help you, help you with mindfulness, uh, help you really connect with things. What I love is the Action for Happiness monthly calendar. It's not an app. It's old school, I'm afraid. You just ah, you know, print yes. out an image yeah, and I stick it on the wall. In fact, yeah, the yeah, October one is it's really cool, isn't it? What's that about mindfulness? Yeah, it is. Isn't it? Yes, yes, it I've absolutely seen it. is. It's mm -hmm. Optimistic October. And yes. they do one every single month. And I've got mm -hmm. it set as my desktop background, which does make my icons a little bit difficult to see, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> but at least it's always there. And yes. I find it really helpful to have that daily reminder about something you can do that's just a little bit out of the ordinary. Now, to be fair, there's some on Optimistic October that I'm like, no, you know, I really don't want to do that one. So I go back to July or August or <laughs> and pick one I like better yeah, on that yeah, day yeah. instead. Do you know, you've just given me an idea. I've got an iPad Pro, so it's got a nice big screen. And um, I have uh, my lock screen is currently my uh, picture of my daughter, I think, on holiday. But um, I could download the Action for Happiness and actually put that exactly. as my um, lock yeah. screen because that is big enough to be able to read the stuff on there. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Yeah, I shared that and on I'll Twitter. And I'll give you a tip off of that today yeah. actually which is reframe a problem that you face as a potential opportunity ah well there you Isn't go that that's may, maybe that's my my choral society uh, agm trauma i was telling you about earlier maybe i've reframed it as an opportunity <laughs> well i think that is the art of really turning a, a, a bad situation into a good one yeah. it's not easy sometimes to do that but i uh, think that's part of reframing one's mindset is to be able to say all right this is sucky but what is another way of looking at this and even if the opportunity isn't immediately obvious at least that exercise in taking your brain out of the negative can in and of itself be helpful yes yeah i have a friend actually who phones me every so often for my reframe of whatever is bothering her wow at the time. <laughs> she literally does she phones up she goes hi she said have you got time to talk i really need to have some help with a reframe on something <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay. So there you go. You're doing reframe <laughs> counselling. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Who knew? I've got a. I've even got a brand for it now. <laughs> there you go. Oh dear, lovely. Um. So what about getting stuff done generally? Do you use a to-do list or apps or pen and paper? How does that work? I've actually bought myself this tiny little red notebook called Gina's Big List of Plans. And <laughs> I must confess, profound. I am not one of the world's most natural planners <laughs> because I'm a fly by the seat of your pants kind of person and yeah. I like to do things that require me thinking on my feet but I found that over time the more planning I do the better I get at delivering but I also have this weird sense of uh, if I plan it and I can't do it then I let myself down and then I feel guilty and bad about the stuff that I haven't managed to achieve so I've tried to be more disciplined recently in my perspective of when I write things down on my to-do list, to be practical about what can I actually achieve that day. And I've, I've experimented with those tactics that some people will say, you know, pick your three topmost priorities or 
take it in chunks or do the most important thing first and forget about everything else. And what I've found is actually just take the list of everything I need to do and look at what are the most important things and when can I realistically achieve that. Yeah. If I need to send out a client invoice that's going to take me an hour and a half to prepare, but I've also got three hours of client work to do, and I only have two and a half hours of time available, it's a really different juggling act. But then the question for me is, okay, which one is more of a priority? Which one can I push back for a little bit longer? Yes. And is there a way that I could possibly do one of them and then half of the other and just commit to it? Because I tell you what, work avoidance behavior is absolutely evil. And you might have five hours set aside for something and then that LinkedIn person who sent you a message saying, hey, can we talk is just far more important than sending out the client invoice. It yeah. requires a real amount of discipline. Actually, do you have any tips on how to avoid work avoidance behavior? <laughs> uh, my main one is actually to um, to not avoid it, but just replace, just avoid the stuff with something else that's just as important. So then, I, at least I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> so then, at least you've got something important done, even if it's not the thing that you were trying to uh, avoid. <laughs> yes, when I'm really busy, that works absolutely brilliantly. So mm -hmm. I might avoid sending the client invoice by doing the work. Yes, or vice versa. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, what about um, getting stuff done with other people? Do you have people that help you, whether that be you know outsourcing or uh, I don't know friends and family who help at home or or um, assistants or or associates or whatever? I think the most important thing when getting help is to figure out having the right people in place to be able to help you deliver against that work. Mm. So. It's not necessarily about executing work, although I have a built up a network of people who can collaborate with me on projects when it's either something that is not my area of expertise or it's something that they can do more efficiently or more cost effectively than I can do. And we, I pull them in whenever the work requires doing. And then we both get work out of it. But the great thing is that my clients also get the results of seeing that work. And they don't necessarily need me to be doing that 24 hours a day. But I think your question is about how do people help me do the work? And mm. one of the ways that I really keep um, motivated and keep to deadlines is by having a mutual mentor. And the funny thing is that this will change over time. I'll ha and, and it changes on our circumstances. Like there's a, there's a gentleman who I work with um, in marketing context. We've been really helpful with each other in terms of looking at our long-term goals, what we want to achieve. How are we going to do that? And we come into each other's life when we need to. And we might invite each other to speak at an event or, you know, come along to an event and we'll, we'll pop in and out, but we kind of keep each other honest by setting deadlines for each other saying, right, I need to do this by this date. Will you help me with that? Or let's both do this by the state. And then it, it means, like when you're going to an exercise class, if you're going on your own, you're less likely to go than you are if you've got a friend who you are responsible to to make that commitment mm -hmm. happen. Yeah, so mutual, you mean as in helping each other, so that whole accountability piece. Yeah, interesting. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But also we're mutual mentors because if you have that kind of relationship where you know you can be honest with each other, they help you pull out those things like your friend does for the reframing if you've got a challenge or you just need someone else to be able to help you talk through or, or figure out something that isn't working for you. And that's a challenge with a lot of people who work on their own or in smaller groups. How do you find the time 
and find the right people with the right level of expertise to be able to help you solve that problem. I find that it is absolutely amazing how much people will help if you ask for help. And the yes. biggest challenge sometimes is being brave enough to ask. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I keep having a conversation with my friend about um, being gracious as well. So not only that thing, as you say, about being brave enough to ask somebody, but when people have offered to help you, that you yeah. don't always say no because, you know, you don't want to bother them or because you want don't want people to know that you're vulnerable or whatever else, you know, that, that you actually say yes <laughs> because, uh, it, you know, people like to help, don't they? It's funny. People do like to help. I was at a networking event yesterday where I gave two women compliments and the immediate thing they do is dismiss the compliment. Yes. And I've stopped them and actually said, wait, hang on a second. I said, you look elegant. And you said, I don't feel elegant. And I said, please just accept the compliment. Because when you yeah. accept the compliment, you're actually allowing me to compliment you. You mm -hmm. are giving me the gift of having been acknowledged. And if you dismiss my compliment, you're basically saying that my opinion is not valid. That's not what they're trying to do. I understand that. But it yeah. almost requires me to help them reframe it as, I think you're looking gorgeous, which means take that as a compliment. Yeah. And go, yeah. wow, thank you very much indeed. Yeah. An interesting question about self-talk and the need mm. that we have for society to effectively, I don't know, not big ourselves up. Yes. Maybe that should yeah. change. I challenge yeah. every person on this listening to this webcast to basically accept a compliment or be gracious in and taking up an offer that someone has offered to them. Mm, mm, absolutely and I agree. So let's talk a bit more about self-care and, and how you keep yourself healthy. You've talked about your Fitbit and you're moving around a bit. What, what about um, that side of things and about relaxation? How do you how do you make sure apart from that mental space that we talked about being you know fit to uh, you know, have the energy that you need to do what you do. How do you ensure physically that you have that too? I'm a Zumba fanatic. Oh, <laughs> my name is Gina Ballerin. Uh, people have called me Gina Ballerina at various organizations I've worked at because <laughs> not only did I marry a man whose surname means dancer, which is very convenient. <laughs> I always mm -hmm. wanted to be a ballerina and I've danced my whole life. And I find that Zumba is a really great, great way of connecting the movement with the music and uh, getting my heart pumping and just getting the exercise. But I also find that it's not enough just to do that once a week. If I'm not exercising regularly, uh, it's, it's great, but it actually won't get me to be more fit. I found that ages ago, sitting in the house, not doing anything, it took a lot longer to get back to physical fitness than I anticipated. And the sad thing about that is when you've been inactive for so long, you think, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Uh -uh. If you actually spend that time investing in exercise, what happens is you put on weight because you're building muscle mass. And it can be highly demotivating if we think of being fit as in losing weight because that's mm. a healthy body is not necessarily one that weighs less. It's ironic. It really depends. Mm. And sometimes you've got to put on the weight before you can lose the weight because you've got to build up that muscle mass before you can lose the fat mass. So mm -hmm. Zumba is a fantastic way for me to exercise, but I also need to top it up with regular walking around. Uh, I've 
I've got a lovely village that I live in and we have wanders through the woods and down the lanes and um, I go dog walking with a friend of mine. I don't have a dog, but she brings hers along and we just <laughs> walk the dog together. <laughs> so if she didn't have a dog, you'd just call it walking, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, but she has a dog, therefore it's dog walking. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, oh, brilliant. What about learning and improving yourself? Have you got any recommended books or podcasts or resources that uh, might be useful for the audience? Well, apart from TED Talks, which are amazing. And, oh, you, uh, yes, you mentioned that earlier, didn't you? And I was going to mention um, TED Radio Hour, which is a podcast that's been that's put together where they pull snippets from TED Talks together into an hour-long show based around particular topics. So if oh, you I like TED, then that might be that. one to look at. Yeah, exactly, or rather to listen that to. That sounds like uh, great. really fun. good. Yeah. Well, what I found recently is being a person who networks a lot and speaks at a lot of events and who also has written a book myself, I bump into a lot of people who've also written books. Now, the, in this day and age, self-publishing is something that just about everyone can do. Uh, to varying degrees of quality, I will admit. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a reason that my version, the last version of my book, after we'd finished everything, had 48 checks. We went through the whole book wow. from beginning to end 48 <laughs> times before we actually wow. published it. You can tell that a lot of people didn't, right? But that's neither here nor there. The interesting thing is when I'm at an event and people say, oh, can I have a copy of your book? And they say, yes, I've written one too. We'll do a book swap. Uh -huh. So the irony is I'm getting a lot more interesting uh, pieces of literature, you know, mm. more or less well written. Yeah. But full of human givingness and human advice and people wanting to share information. There are so many podcasts out there that are absolutely fantastic. I don't subscribe to any particularly, but I do find that just having the comfort of music in the background when I'm working, uh, if it's a day where I'm in the office on my own, it's really nice to have a voice. It's nice to have that sense of music, and that, only, that inspires me as well as keeping my brain alive. Mm. I'm not mm. a much of a TV watcher, but I do find that – um, a lot of the emails that are coming in, because I'm still subscribed to a, a bunch of email newsletters, regardless of uh, GDPR, those who have <laughs> done it properly, like B2B marketing, for example, send through really interesting stuff. And you can also find a surprisingly large amount of helpful, interesting information through social media. Yeah. So I'll be on LinkedIn every day to check my messages, make sure I'm connected with people, like and share stuff. But there's also some really cool stuff on it. Like, bizarrely, I was reading this morning about Mattel Barbie. You know, the traditional yes, yeah. <laughs> blonde bimbo. They are putting together a campaign about the fact that um, little girls lose their ability to dream their visions into reality from about the age of five. Wow. And they're trying to change that. And I went onto their website and took a look. And turns out they have vet Barbie and they have um, scientist Barbie and they have, I think it was um, artificial intelligence Barbie or something <laughs> like that. I it wasn't exactly that, but close enough. And the point is that I found that off of a random post on social media. And yes. isn't it interesting to know that actually there's a, a you know female equality thing going on here, but also that the traditional toy that we thought was associated with yeah. really 
provoking the stereotype of a stay-at-home mum who doesn't ever work and who whose responsibility is to look perfect for the husband at every moment of the day <laughs> is being modernized I find yes. that really encouraging yes yeah 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 definitely yeah <laughs> I'm gonna have to go and look and see what AI Barbie looks like <laughs> 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 well, she's got a computer, <laughs> to be fair. But what's yeah. also interesting is that she isn't just Barbie in the traditional sense of the, the perfectly oval-faced, big-eyed, blonde, blue-eyed Barbie. Mm-hmm. There are Barbies with dark skin. There are Barbies with bigger noses. There are Barbies who are shorter. There are Barbies with crazy wild hair. And yes, you know what? Yeah. All of them are beautiful. And I really love the fact that there is no such thing as a perfect body image, yes. even in Barbie land yeah. anymore. Well, yeah, there is, that, okay, but there's just a perfect body image in different, actually, <laughs> different cultures, I suppose. It's interesting, though, isn't it, how you've probably just explained something I never even realised, which is when I was young, I wasn't into Barbie, I was into Cindy, and, I, and of course, I've got dark hair, so I bet I didn't like Barbie because she was blonde, and Cindy, there was, a, there was a dark-haired one as well as a blonde one, and obviously I had the dark-haired one, and I obviously you didn't know, I'm just... ever think of that. Go how ahead. funny is that? No, well, I, I didn't. I, I'm like, I want there to be a grey-haired Barbie because I haven't got one of those. <laughs> I have grey hair, so yeah, I'd silver, silver surfer Barbie. Yeah, totally yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. But no, but it is interesting because I, I knew that I was never into Barbie, and Cindy was, you know, the one that I was into. But I've never wondered why. But I, I bet that's what it was. It was about identifying with with her, which is why, as you say, all these um, dolls nowadays, you know are so different because obviously everyone is different but we didn't realize that somehow 30 years ago <laughs> or 40 See, or 50 now years I'm ago, wondering about whether I'm wondering about whether I can buy Barbies as props for my professional speaking and charge this to a legitimate business <laughs> 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 well, you know no matter if you liked Barbie or Cindy as a little girl you probably never quite get it out of your system no exactly <laughs> exactly so, so what about um routines and rituals and habits have you got any of those I mean you talked about your Fitbit and obviously you're using that to sort of create that that habit of getting up and moving around on a regular basis and going for the walks and stuff and and you've got your dog walking haven't you so are there other things that, that you've got in place to to keep that stuff going yeah I think the action for happiness calendar is an important um thing mm-hmm. I also do find I don't necessarily do things um, particularly regularly because I'm the kind of person who doesn't like a lot of discipline and routine I prefer Mm -hmm. things that are innovative and and different all the time but I will make sure that I do set aside some time to catch up with old colleagues whether Mm. that is by connecting with them uh, on LinkedIn or by having dinner with them or just by dropping them a text message and saying hey how are you doing Mm. and that not only fills up my buckets of energy Mm. it also is amazing how reconnecting with someone that you really enjoyed spending time with can be incredibly rewarding for both of you yes yeah so although yeah. that's not necessarily routine it's something well, that it's, a, it's a habit regularly. It's a, yeah it's a, it's a habit to, to make that stuff happen so no I think that's that's really you know interesting to to highlight definitely so what about if things don't go right if you have one of those terrible days where it's all gone horribly wrong how do you deal with it I have an amazing support network in terms of my husband and my best friend who is also mm-hmm. there to be able to pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. But I also experimented a little bit with a friend of mine about trying to put ourselves into our future possible selves. And we went through an exercise where we would send each other text messages on bad days 
of like, this is what my future is going to be looking like. And I said to her things like, so um, I'm going to meet you in Hawaii this weekend. I can't wait. Are the kids coming or are your parents going to be looking after them in Zimbabwe this weekend? And should we take the private jet or should we um, make sure that we just get someone to, to, to charter us for this weekend? <laughs> It was such fun, but you have to do it with someone who's prepared to really enter into the spirit of things. And what yeah. I found amazing is it actually, it it helps you step away from reality, whatever reality is. It's yes. a bit of fun. It's a bit of adventure. It's like, you know, an adult imagination world, really, when you mm. think about it. We might have left Barbies behind us decades ago, but does that mean that we need to leave our imaginations behind us? No, we don't. Mm -hmm. I also find that reaching out to people and just saying, you know what, I'm not doing well. Can you please, can you give me some mental energy or a hug today? And yeah. what's interesting is a lot of people will help and then they say, can we talk? And actually it's like, we can talk, but I don't really want to talk to you right now because I need mm -hmm. to be a little bit selfish. And that's when the things that I talked about filling up your buckets come in. And that's mm -hmm. when actually the discipline of looking back at my buckets and, and my, um, images of those things that make me happy i actually had to go back to it the other day and discipline go right i'm feeling miserable today yes have i had a hot bath no i'm going to do that now have i had something to eat oh no maybe that would make a difference am i dehydrated mm. maybe i should mm. actually have some water have i spoken to anyone that i really care about no is there an inspirational quote that i can find somewhere online okay let me look at that and it's not it's not the one of those things specifically is going to help me get through the tough time but the discipline of actually exploring all of those different options is what will then make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just imagining the, the people who do our show notes um, listen to the um, podcast and obviously write the notes as a result of what they're listening to. And I, I'm imagining now that their, their intention for your title is going to be something about filling your buckets. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they'll be listening to me saying that now. <laughs> but it, it will make quite a cool title, won't it? <laughs> so, I think so. And all credit to my friend Ulrika, who not me, I'm afraid. I'm just quoting her. <laughs> so, what about a day when you end the day knowing you've had the chance to live more? And I say that that's about uh, getting to do the things that you want to do, and not necessarily the things that you have to do or you feel that you should do. What what will that day look like? Do you know, the funny thing is, because I am fortunate enough to love the work that I do, the end of a perfect day for me is one where I've had a chance to inspire someone in some way, whether that's a, a spe speech I do for someone, or whether that's a conversation that I have with someone on the, on the podcast, or maybe it's just a post I put out on social media that I know people have enjoyed because they've responded to it and said, thank you so much, that's made a difference. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, I will also probably have delivered some work because I get a lot <laughs> of satisfaction out of actually getting the stuff done, especially yeah. when you can give it to a client and you see it up on their website and go, hey, look, that was nice. One of the most fantastic things for me is when I write a blog post, and give it off to a client, and then see it pop up on their own social media or wherever. Maybe they'll send me an email with a newsletter in it and go, wow, that's a really good piece of writing. And then my brain kind of clicks into gear and goes, you wrote that. I go, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, you wrote that. Wow, hey, that's pretty cool. So yeah, my perfect day, I think, is a combination of inspiring other people, of feeling like I've achieved something, and of really having appreciated my space, whether mm -hmm. that is having 
sat outside in the sun or just smelled the autumn leaves around me or just having watered the plant on my windowsill and thought, gosh, isn't it nice to have green things around me? Mm. And, of course, the very important cup of tea. <laughs> no, t- no day could ever be perfect without a good cup of tea. <laughs> yes, it's funny. When I was doing the training this week, I had a, a picture of a cup of tea when people went for their tea break, and they all came back lamenting that their tea wasn't as good as the picture of the tea on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been amazing interviewing you, Gina. Thank you so much. How how can people find out more about you and connect with you? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Gina Ballerin, or go along to my website. It's uh, verbalistics, V-E-R-B-A-L-L-I-S-T-I-C-S dot co dot UK. And uh, check me out there. But really connect with me on social media. I'm on Twitter as well. You can probably find me on Facebook too. And let's just have a connection and have a communication because I believe that the world is full of amazing people who have amazing stories to share and, and who can really help each other by mm. building those connections. And you probably never even know how amazingly connected you can be to someone, how you can add value to their lives until you've actually reached out to them and had that conversation. So mm. reach out. Let's talk. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, Gina. Thank you so much. Have a super day. Are you a home-based coach or consultant feeling like you need a bit of help? Our Power to Live More Calm membership is designed to meet you where you're at with the help you need in the moment so you can get unstuck, move forwards and get stuff done. You might think this sounds too good to be true or maybe wondering how it would fit with how you work and run your business. Why not have a no-obligation chat with Jo to see how she can help you? All you need to do is go to powertolivemore.com Slash calm call. Use your power to live more.